Well, boys, we did it. The most important athletic event of our generation and all generations. Ever to have been generations. Yep. Just wrapped up a few weeks ago. I'm still Uh, tired just from watching it. Yep. Clearly talking about the CrossFit Games. Um, Yeah. That's for later. What else is there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. So what, uh, what an unfortunate syncing up, by the way. Yeah, I know I wonder what the ratings were like for the games. Uh how did they, what was the crossover between uh games and the Olympics? I know when the Olympics or when the CrossFit games started, I quit watching the Olympics. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's probably a lot of crossover audience, but there's so many ways to consume actually both contests, really. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Just it's a lot different than it used to be. We had to like pick channel three or twelve. Yeah, you know? yeah. it was pretty hard to watch the Olympics too with the time difference and everything. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, I, yeah. It, the Olympics this year were just full of spoiler alerts. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so. I knew a lot of people that would like zone out the whole workday and then watch the rerun that night. Yeah, I was like, that's impressive. I'm, I'm not that disciplined. Anyway, so. speaking of CrossFit Games, yes. uh, the CrossFit Games uh, happened. happened. Yes. That a, full of a that few, still count yeah. as a segue? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, They're okay. full of uh, a few surprises, but some things were not surprising. This is why Hunter is here today to gloat. We'll get to that in just a moment. No, uh, I'm, always here, off of that. I'm <laughs> always here to gloat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so a lot of things were pretty predictable, uh, but there were some changes, and obviously it's a year emerging from a really strange, difficult year, and you see all these uh, elite CrossFitters show up. You know they've committed to a lot of training, and mm. several of them have YouTube channels, so you can keep up with how their training is going. But there's always this big question, what's it going to be like at the big dance? And uh, some pretty exciting moments at the CrossFit Games this year. Yeah, I thought it was a great, great year, very entertaining. Uh, the best CrossFit Games in the, at least the last couple of years, in my opinion, just as far as the changes the work. worked. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, – the, the, um, the events, the races, all that type of stuff. Um, it was fun. Um, after last year was, I didn't even realize it, but when I watched the um, documentary on the games last year, I didn't even watch like almost at the second half of the workouts because it was over by Friday night. Mm-hmm. You know, TM and Matt were going to win, so I didn't even watch it. And it was just kind of boring with five people. And then the year before when they had had like a million different competitors show up and then they cut down to five after or ten after – only a couple events and then there was just the same 10 over and over again. It was just kind of boring. And so I thought they, the changes made, they made this year to the cut system and the workouts. It was just, it was way more entertaining and more fun to watch. And it was also fun to actually have a division where you didn't know who was going to win. Uh, Cause in the last few years, it's, you knew, you knew CrossFit Mayhem was going to win. You knew Tia was going to win and you knew Matt was going to win. At least you didn't know who the men were going to win, which men was going to win this year. Uh, unless you listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but even that, I mean, you couldn't be that confident early on how it was going to play out. Right, yeah, it was still, I mean, it was a great race. It was close, and um, it was fun to watch and exciting. So I thought overall it was uh, one of the best games in a while. Did you feel a lot of validation in getting the men's correct, or did you feel, like, excitement? Like, were you surprised at how right you were? Uh, no, I wasn't that surprised. I mm-hmm. t- just to me after the I, open, humble. it would have been hard to be. Yeah, I mean after the uh, after the, uh, how Maderas did at the semifinals when he didn't win, I was a little surprised by that. But I think just the nature of the workouts there um, were not necessarily in his wheelhouse. But um, just I was just looking at the other top men, and I just didn't feel like any of them had what it took to win. You know, I didn't feel like Velner or Fikowski or Noah really have what it takes mentally to win. And so who else is going to win? But 
you know, the guy who seems to have the right mentality. So that's that's why I thought he would, you know, Madaris would win. Speaking and, of Fikowski, Fikowski, the one thing I'm asking is, and I was asking this about a lot of guys, what happens first, like not performing to what you want to perform or the injury? I, I'm just really curious about that because a lot of guys fight through a lot of things and the past champions have had plenty of stuff go wrong. Yeah. And they're pushing through because they are in the shape they want to. It just kind of makes me wonder, like, that mental part of the game of uh, giving in to those little aches and pains that turn into something larger. Did they did they say what his injury was? I didn't even catch it. Well, he's fight, he was fighting a lot of hamstring stuff, right. and I think in his left leg. And but I mean, I'm you're looking at the competitors. You're like, I'm sure everyone out there is injured. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen events, you know? like grueling events. Everybody's yeah. feeling it. And yeah. Yeah, injured's I, a, a big word. I see yeah. what you say. Cumulative fatigue. Yeah. You know? Is it like, well, I just, you know, I'm I'm kind of out of the running and this is bothering me a lot more than it would be if I were in fourth place or something. Yeah, if I was in first, I wouldn't be feeling it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I don't know, those guys showed up big in those the one rep max stuff, which is pretty exciting to watch. But one thing I was thinking viewing it was, is this a result, how exciting these games are, is it a result of the cleaning up of the CrossFit system and the programming being able to shine again? Was it the fact that they were able to whittle down the athletes in a different way? Just a lot of things work this year. I yeah, think. I think uh, I think Dave Castro kind of has um, the free reign at this point. I think he was really reined in the last few years with uh, Glassman as CEO, and I mean he he'll openly say there's a lot of stuff he wanted to do he wasn't able to do. I thought all the changes worked really well this year as far as the qualifying process, and then you know one of the biggest complaints people had over the last couple of years was the cuts and how they were done, and I. I mean, they've always done cuts almost every single year, and I think cuts are extremely important because if if there's no cuts, those people in the back twenty, they know they're going to compete in every single event. They just kind of mail it in by then by the weekend because there's no incentive for them to keep going. Mm-hmm. But if you know, hey, if I don't put out on this one, I might get cut after this event. That that keeps people honest and keeps them pushing, so it makes it a lot more entertaining. Um, so I thought that the cut system was great and it also allows him to be a bit more flexible with what workouts he does if only 20 have to do it as opposed to 40 because that takes up a lot of time running that many people through heats and stuff like that. Um, so I thought they, they cut it down really well and cut it down to, to 20 um, was great and then to 10 on the teams. And um, so I thought they did that all that really well. And I really liked the whole qualification process this year. I felt like for the most part, um, you know, the top 40 – men and women were were the ones that competed. Uh, I was thinking about this, uh, just with how much running and outdoor stuff they do at the games. I would like to see a little bit more of that done at the semifinals uh, because it seems like the workouts of the semifinals, well, it doesn't seem like they are. They're all in, a, in arena in a small enclosed space. And you get guys like, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to hate on him, but like Colton Mertens who makes it. And um, it's awesome that he made it, but then he just shows up there and he's just getting crushed on the, some of these workouts because they don't suit him. And you know there's there's other people at the semifinal who did make it who would have performed better at the games than him if the test was a little bit more similar to the games. So I, I would – I mean, it's a really hard undertaking to have him swim and run and bike and all that type of stuff outside at the semifinal. But I'd like to see the workouts that qualify for the games a little bit more similar to the games as opposed to being such a different test. So would you be willing to reduce the pool of athletes at the semifinal level to accomplish those changes? Uh, I don't think I, – I, I mean, what do they have, 30 at the semifinals? I don't think you would have to reduce it. I just think it would ha- take a little bit more planning um, top to bottom where they're all on the same page where maybe you have a little bit more transparency on what the game's events are going to look like, and then you can have uh, a semifinal test that's going to – 
you know, set up the winners to be more suited for those type of workouts as mm-hmm. opposed to um, doing something where every workout is seven minutes or less, like I think the Granite Games was, and then you get out here and you have like hour and a half workout, hour workout, all these other long, long enduring workouts where none of those people who did well at the Granite Games did well um, at the games. But, I mean, you know, CrossFit's counter argument would be the, the fittest are going to be good at anything no matter what the test is. And, yeah, the top of the top are always going to be there, but, you know, that middle of the pack to bottom of the pack can change drastically depending on uh, what the workouts are. It's interesting how cerebral this argument can actually get because you're right. I could hear that argument, that side of the argument, as you were saying what you wanted. But I would also say you've always been big on, and we actually are, all of us here on the podcast, the consistency of tests because CrossFit, by its nature, wants to fight specialization. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure it's a very difficult balance, and somewhere Castro is laughing his head off listening to this. But it's like it seems like if you change too much, then you have favored a particular type uh, of athlete and so this leads me to to the big question, I think, of this part of the episode. Did you have a favorite workout or one that you looked at where you're like, man, I would really like to give that a shot? Uh, there weren't any that I looked at that I would like to give a shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, there's a lot of them that I couldn't even do, like that freestanding handstand push-up. Like, I couldn't even do that. That's but, crazy. Um, I like the uh, – I really like the assault bike light snatch workout because a lot of times the work the weights are heavy and um, – kind of slog through but that was just a pedal to the metal go type workout so i really mm-hmm. like that um that was probably my favorite one i'm trying to remember what other ones were really good what take did you have on the uh the total bar it was the running and, and total bar it's just a lot of running oh god that was just so interesting to me too to watch this guy be in the lead for so long and then somehow the like just the seconds per rep on total bar he ends up not winning the event yeah, uh, it looked maybe I was just thinking, I know it's, it would be grueling and nearly impossible for for the average person, but it did look approachable. Like you're just doing running and you're just doing total bar, but it's combined in such a way where you think, man, I wonder how long it would take me to actually do that. Yeah, I mean, it's 90 toes to bar and it was about a 5K of running. So if you think <laughs> yeah. about it that way, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And you, you just, people underestimate how much of an impact on the running the toes to bar has when you're you're contracting uh, your hips and your abs and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so shortening your running stride, but those guys, 5k uh, paces were insane. You know, the top finishers, they, they were blowing through those, those 5k runs. So, uh, I mean, just overall, they're all, the performance is always incredibly impressive, but that was one thing about, there was a ton of running this year, a ton of running. Mm -hmm. And um, if, I mean, I don't, I can't remember how many events have running in it, but it's like, if you're not good at running, you, you don't even forget show it. up, no, you know, <laughs> yeah, forget it. And some guys that showed, I think the cumulative fatigue over, over the event showed up in that running, uh, for sure. So let's, let's get down to, I'd say probably the, the largest glory moment. I just saw a post on this, uh, today, the one rep, uh, snatch. Yeah was electric yeah that was awesome man and so i i would assume we're choosing the snatch because it is it, it is we would say probably the most complex ollie bar movement so you're really testing not only strength but a lot of skill uh it makes sense to me i mean it, the clean and jerk would have been exciting as well uh but this snatch if you are even a fraction off you're gonna pay yeah at that weight uh and you know they can't do that type of workout with a full field so that's why they cut it down and yeah, I mean, anytime you're maxing out um, a lift in front of the crowd in Coliseum, it's always awesome and electric. And 
Um, it was interesting to see some people who we expected to do a lot better not and and f- fail early on, and then um, some people just kept going. Like Annie snatched 200, and obviously that was a huge PR for her, and she got second on that event. And there was nobody who would have predicted her to get second on a snatch event, nobody. Mm, yeah. And then like just to see the injury Brooke Wells had, that was – man, that was one of the – most devastating, gruesome moments I've ever seen at the CrossFit Games just for her to be out there on the platform by herself and to see her arm go that way and see what, see that happen and her just laying there crying and, like, the expression on her face of just pure shock and, like, somebody come help me. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, those couple of moments, man, that was tough to watch. It really was. It, yeah. And uh, you really feel for her and hope, hope she can recover. Um, but overall, I mean, that's an awesome event. I mean, they always do something really, really cool cool like that in the coliseum and then the uh the running and clean workouts were both really cool too i really like those events as well they were uh they were fun to watch and um you know it was just a short run so it was enough for them to kind of push it but not too bad and um all be able to come in and kind of lift uh you know one at a time almost in the uh, in the coliseum so that was cool the most impressive thing to me was actually the after that failure of the one rep uh how they determined the placement with the tiebreaker? Yeah, yeah, with the tiebreaker. And then also the picking the weight for that tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Because you looked at it and you thought, oh, man, well, after what these guys were attempting, these women were attempting, that's that's like chump change. Uh, but you see just the fatigue that had worked its way in. If those people, especially as it got deeper into the rounds, that was a pretty heavy bar to put overhead. Yeah, uh, Everybody fighting for first place there in those tiebreaker rounds. Their technique got, got a little off, and then they couldn't recover in time because it was one small mistake on that, and you, you lost. But one thing that really stood out to me was Amanda Barnhart got out way earlier than everybody expected her, and you could tell she failed the, a snatch that she could easily hit. She just was missing it forward. And then she went over to that tiebreaker weight and just manhandled the weight three times, touch and go, like straight to the ground. Yeah. And you were like, all right, she should have got done way better than she did. But that's the the thing about the snatch is one small uh, thing can be off and you can miss it and not necessarily the strongest person is going to win the snatch event. So mm-hmm. I think people forget, too. It's like it's not like everybody just flew in and we're going to do a one, one rep. You know, there's other stuff that has gone A ton gone of other on. stuff. Yeah, yeah, a ton of other work. And you think about you just get tight in the shoulders or speaking of hip flexors, the, all those things that you need. Uh, you know, I think really what it looked like to me, what they were challenging there was training and technique over strength because, oh, yeah. you know, right out of the gate, they were saying, well, this person has on paper the largest one rep max in this lift. So we expect them to go pretty far and it really didn't play out that way. So mm-hmm. I would love to see uh, even that sort of thing. I don't know that it would be possible, but even see that kind of play out in local competitions where, you have an opportunity if you go out early to still prove that you could do something with some pretty heavy weight in that lift and, and beat in and pedal to the metal. Yeah. Get to the finish line. Yeah. So I'm looking at it now. That was the 12th event of the weekend, the max snatch. That's ridiculous. And the event before it, they did pegboard ascents, dumbbell overhead squats and heavy double under. So like pulling, um, shoulders, grip, everything you're going to use for a snatch. They already did that right before. And they had already done 90 toes to bar right before that. And so, you know, and heavy cleans and all that other running and stuff. So it's to be able for them to be able to hit those weights that they did after all that work just shows how incredibly um, fit these people are. Yeah, let's look back to the uh, Wells thing for just a moment because it it only took a second for people to descend on CrossFit and look at this and look at this injury. And I'd like to talk that out. Uh, not that CrossFit needs us to defend it, but there this is a much larger story than 
this person had no business doing this lift and this way and blah, blah, blah. This is an elite level athlete who we would say probably was having problems with this elbow in some way because she had it braced. Uh, that was making decisions with a coach. I mean, she's got a coaching staff <laughs> behind her yeah. training with other elite level athletes. Uh, sometimes these things just happen, right? I don't, I didn't pay attention to anybody getting onto it. I just try to avoid that type of stuff. There's no point in even trying to look into it. I mean, it, but it's just crazy. Somebody gets hurt and then somebody else is going to use that to try to mm. push their agenda. Uh, but you're trying to be the best in the world at something. There's going to be injuries. I mean, people get injured every single year at every high level sport. That's just part of it. And everybody that signs up for it is aware of that. And I mean, she has good technique with the snatch. Like, yes, yeah, she was wearing an elbow brace. Maybe she had something going on with it, but she, that was a risk she was willing to take. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars on the line and sponsorships and Instagram followers and all this type of stuff. Plus they train for years and years and years for it. Like, who, I mean, that's 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 the risk you take when you put yourself out there is getting injured. And uh, I mean, to for people to say that's cross. I mean, it was a snatch. They snatched at the at the uh, Olympics. Olympics. I've yeah. seen people break their arms at the Olympics. Yeah. You know, blow their knees out doing the snatch and the clean and jerk. It happens all the time. So that's just that's what happens when you you're pushing um, elite human performance. But you know how people are. Somebody, if they see anything that that can try to help them push their agenda, make them feel better about themselves, then they're going to do it. And that there's a lot of people who are going to take any opportunity to put down a a strong uh, athletic female. I mean, that's just the sad nature of the world. But there's a lot of guys out there who feel very threatened by women who can lift more weight than them. So they're going to take any opportunity to 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 take to try to take them down if they can. Feels like it's getting a little personal in here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just want to make sure I think addressing that and also definitely wishing her well. And I would assume watching her train over the years that this will be a bump in the road and that she will figure out a way to come back and recover if at all possible. And yeah. and also to make sure that people who are on the ground level walking into a CrossFit gym and there's snatch programmed aren't thinking I'm about to completely break my dislocate my elbow or something. Yeah. That, that's not the way that people train that aren't at an elite level, you know. And I know we were discussing off mic, someone snaps their hamstring in a sprint at the Olympics. It's like, oh, well, that's what happens. They're trying to beat a world record, you know. Yeah, so. it happens at the Olympics, and it's like one of the most, uh, you know, famous moments when the the guy from uh, Great Britain or Canada, I can't remember, tears his hamstring and his dad, his comes, dad on comes down. And, yeah. and everybody yeah. celebrates that, but somebody gets hurt doing CrossFit. I told y'all CrossFit <laughs> was bad for you. I don't hear y'all say anything about, I told you track and field was bad for you. you know, yeah. Nobody says that. Yeah, that's right. It's just people with an agenda. So, um, But all that stuff is just noise. Like I said, I don't even pay attention to it. It's, they don't know what they're talking about. And I mean, it is it is what it is at this point. We Us that do it know that's not true. But yeah, it's... It's watching the CrossFit games and comparing that to what happens at your average CrossFit gym is it's not even the same realm. It's not even the same universe. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not the same thing. It's completely different. It's like, I mean, I always make the comparison with golf. It's like watching the Masters and then going out to your local country club on a Saturday afternoon and trying to compare those golfers with the guys on TV. It's they're not even they might as well not even be playing the same sport. Yeah. So it's not the same thing. Uh, so uh, anyways, we talk a lot about motives, too. I think that's important. And maybe to, to wrap this part up here, talking about this injury is that, I mean, injury prevention is such a huge deal inside of the Coyote ecosystem and not just while in the gym, but in life, you know, to be able to strengthen 
stabilizers and your core and different things so you don't injure yourself, I don't know, say sitting down on the toilet. Mm, right. <laughs> Which is where, the, where those life-changing injuries seem to occur. Yeah, uh, the, most people that are injured, if you go to physical therapy and ask them how they hurt themselves, it's moving a box or picking up right. something in the yard or yeah. something like that. And even the people um, that work out at our locations who get hurt, major injuries, it, it, they didn't do it at the gym. Yeah. They, it, it's they were, on the lake. Yeah, yeah. skiing or Ski whatever. Slopes, yeah. um, and so that's that's just that's just what people. This you know actually working out and working on mobility and building your core strength and improving your shoulders and hips is going to keep you from getting injured, not the other way around. All right, so we have to give them this moment, Chase. Uh, yeah. So rolling back, yeah, rolling back, we gave Hunter the opportunity to predict winners, mm. I don't know, four or five years ago. I wish we had a producer who could pull that clip for us. <laughs> I have hey. zero idea, <laughs> idea when that Speaking happened. Speaking of elite level, <laughs> what episode was that in? Uh, so 13 hours of listening. <laughs> yeah. So Madeira, Madeiras uh, was your pick. He was. From the beginning. Yeah. And um, I think we said that after uh, last year, didn't we? Because when Fraser retired. Yeah, we were, we're talking, talking about who's going to assume the throne yeah, and all that. Yeah. And I said Madero's. Uh, and I picked him because uh, I seen I, I saw enough. I, literally, I watched one video on him on YouTube. And I was like, this guy has what it takes. I've he, seen enough. He has No, yeah. He has a mentality. He has, like, he's not worried about how many Instagram followers he has. He's not worried about what everybody else is doing. He has the mentality of being hungry and showing up to the gym and being the best best version of himself every single day, and he will do whatever it takes to push himself to that moment. And if you listen to these people talk a lot enough, you can kind of pick up on um, if uh, like some those guys I mentioned earlier, they got an excuse for everything. If something goes wrong, it's this excuse, it's that excuse. They blame the program, they blame this, they blame that, or. Um, like I mentioned this last time, Matt Frazier would never go on Instagram and recap every single event at the CrossFit Games and talk about what he was going through his mind during that. He would never mm. in a million years do that. And uh, Noah Olson did that last year. And it's just they're more worried about the perception and, and what everybody thinks about them. But Justin Medeiros was not like that. You could tell from you know just watching him a few times. He's there to win, and he's there to do whatever it takes to win. And he had the hunger and the mindset. And I thought it was – perfectly displayed on the last event when Madeiros was ahead of Vellner um, going into the event and they, were, and they were asking Vellner about it and he was just kind of um, made some comment like it's going to take a miracle for me to beat him or something where it was like instead of a winner would say I'm going to I'm going to give everything I have to, to win this event and then we'll see what happens and you saw the event unfold and Madeiros did the uh, back rack lunges, and then he was the first person to go straight from his back into the front rack and go straight into it, and the fr- crowd went crazy. But that's what a champion does. Like, when mm-hmm. it comes down to time to, to close the deal, he did it, and he just he, he sealed the deal right there. Won, he won the last event. The only event he won of the games was the last one, and I think that epitomizes him and, and what he stands for. And is he going to be the next Frazier? I don't think so, but I, he has what it takes to be a champion. Uh, will he win next year? I don't know, but I knew eventually he was going to win one, and so he was my pick um, just based off the current field. Um, you know, there might be some other guys coming up. I'll tell you who else is incredibly impressive was the, that guy from Brazil uh, who is who got seventh, I think. Yeah, he's seventh. Guillermo. Seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, I was 
talking with uh, Chris and Caleb about this. I think he might be the most physically gifted CrossFit male athlete there ever. I would agree. I mean, I think he could be a world-class athlete in any sport. That guy is unbelievable. His snatch was so easy, so fluid. He is so jacked. Like, you can just tell his genetics are unbelievable. He's a very fast runner. Um, So, you know, it's I don't know what his mentality is like because he doesn't speak English very well, but I think if he gets some good training under his belt, he has potential to – be very dominant in the sport if he continues to impress. But he, to me, he was the most impressive um, physical specimen out there and most most impressive as far as just pure talent. I would agree. I mean, I don't know how to say it correctly, but when he gets his legs under him, he's he's going to be a force, there's no doubt. Yeah. And just to recap a little bit, Olsen finishes 10th. Mm-hmm. After all the hype, this guy finishes 10th. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Fikowski, we just talked about his injury. He's up there at third. So – I have a question for you as an yeah. old school guy. Scott Panchik, is it his last games? He already said it was. Okay. So he already said. And I hated, hated it too because he had said that um, this was going to be his last games. And then I think he, um, he tore his meniscus right before the game. So he just wasn't able to yeah. put out like he could have. But I, I, I thought he had a serious chance at making the podium this year. You know, he's never made it, even though he's been like top five so many times. And mm-hmm. if he hadn't had that injury, I think uh, he would have had a chance to. But his brother did really well. Yeah, so there's a new guy on the scene. It feels like there may be a passing of the baton there. So other than that, I don't think like a whole lot of surprises there. All right, so let's let's roll over to the women's side. Let's discuss that quickly. Yeah. Uh, so also pick the winner on the women's side, which, come on, man, softball. Everybody picked that one. <laughs> everybody, everybody picked that one. I mean, I think, I think. Episode 85, Hunter. Episode 85, there you <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, He's go over there researching. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I do think everybody was thinking, you know, being the training partner, where where was Wells going to finish? And the injury kind of uh, settled that for well, she was uh She was like sixth or seventh um, before she got hurt um, with some good events ahead of her. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, Tia, everybody, it's to the point now where I don't even watch Tia in the workouts because she's just so good. You know she's going to win. I'm watching who's going to get second and third. And that race was – Really cool to see Annie just make her way up the leaderboard all weekend and go mm-hmm. from like outside the top ten to finishing third. Um, Laura Horvath was impressive. You know, she got second a few years ago, and then she just really underperformed the last couple of years. And everybody talked about her weight and this, that, and the other. And here she is, second and looking really dominant. And then Annie third. I think Annie was probably the biggest surprise of the whole games, in my opinion. I mean, she had a baby last year. She's back out there and gets on the podium at the games when she's crazy been, been in the, it, pretty significant was, back injury yeah. in, her, in her career as well yeah a few uh, uh I don't, that was a while ago it's but been yeah. a while back but i mean a back a back injury you know but this was her 11th games that's crazy. 11th games and she got third just Jeez. incredibly her language right now though is like i'm at the top of my game i've never felt this good all right tom brady <laughs> yeah. like, okay come well, on yeah I, I mean you can't argue with her she got third she beat a lot of these young girls uh Haley adams got fifth i think she was disappointed by that um, that Gabriella Magala came out of nowhere and got sick, so that was impressive. And then, uh, you know, the other story is those the teenage girls, Mallory O'Brien getting sev- seventh and um, Emma Carey getting 16th. I mean, 17-year-old girls finishing the top 20 at the at the games is pretty impressive, and obviously they're going to be around for a while. I wouldn't I'm, – I'm sure uh, Mallory O'Brien will win the games at some point, and I think Haley Adams will too. You I'm said saying. it was coming, though. Yeah, yeah. You I said think the field's going to get younger. It will, yeah. yeah and, and yeah. I mean, look at, you know, Haley Adams is, what, 22, maybe, 21, I'm not sure. Um, maybe maybe she, maybe she maybe she's 20, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how old she is. But Mal O'Brien is 17, and so you got two girls under 22, 23 in the top 10. Um, 
So, yeah, it's uh, – but I really expected Tia to retire for this year, and she said she'd be back next year. So mm. uh, she's just going to keep rolling, I guess. Yeah, walking off after a win, that's that's hard for anyone I guess to you do. can't let Matt uh, – She's tied with Matt for most games win, so she's going to pass. <laughs> Maybe she'll pull him out of retirement. She'll get, she'll get six yeah. next year. Okay, here's how I know we end this segment. Right now, this is what we have to do. We have to call for Hunter's predictions for the winners of the CrossFit Games. For next year. For next year. We're going to see who you're going to go with. Uh, Tia, CrossFit Mayhem. All right, let me look at the men. Oh, I, it, you have to take Vellner under. You have to think about it. I just I don't think he has it mentally. I've, okay, I've said, so I mean, he doesn't have it between the years. He doesn't. He's always looking for excuses. Okay. And uh, he wore a freaking sweater on the swim event. I don't know what the he- what he was doing on that one. He got out of the water, thirty fifth place, and he's got a sweater on. I'm like, what are you? <laughs> you overthought that one. Uh, you know, I really thought Carl would have had a chance to win, and I mean, he got fourth, which is impressive. Uh, Saxon Panchik at fifth is. He's got a chance to win down the road. And then Guillermo um, in seventh, he's got a chance to. Um, man, I'm just going to have to go with Medeiros to repeat. I think the experience and having done it um, gives him a huge advantage over, over the rest of the field. So I would say Medeiros would be my pick to win again. But I think uh, Guillermo and Saxon Panchik would be two, two guys that have a shot at it next year. Okay, I'm going to say, uh, obviously, Mayhem, obviously, Tia Tune. I'm going to go with that. The, so, your picks. But other than the men, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Saxon. I'm going to put Saxon as the, as the winner because I think his brother's going to – his brother's about out. Now he's going to double he's gonna down. Coach him, yeah. We're going to get a panchick at the top of that podium. And I think you're going to have experience and youth, and it's going to be a tight race. Um I'm just going to pick it as an off the wall because I think it actually may happen. I think I, I, I think it'd be cool to see. I was really impressed watching him do that open workout. It was like the three brothers, right? I'm like, this guy, he's going to step out of his brother's shadow eventually, and mm-hmm. now it's now it's going to happen. So yeah. we've got a year for this to play out. Yeah, Youth That's, movement, all, that's all only saying because and I'm so, not going to be there. And so the three guys I just meant, mentioned, I think Medeiros is like 21 or 22. Guillermo is like 19 or 20. And then Saxon's what, like 22, yeah. 23. They'll be I around imagine a 19 year old named Guillermo. It just sounds like a 50 <laughs> from Brazil year old. that can snatch like 315, like it's a PVC on, on accident. Yeah, it, was like, it looked like he was doing pass throughs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought this was 245. Yeah, yeah. Well, where are we? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Is it time? It's time. Great, great games, uh, good, Castro. Good, you good did game. great. You good did game. Great. Way to oh, go, Castro. Oh, I did want to mention something real quick. Uh, next year's last year the, at Madison. And it doesn't sound like they're going to be going back there. Uh, he also mentioned something. We're closing about- Madison? <laughs> no, wrong <laughs> announcement. Oh. The games will not be in oh. at Madison. Madison, Wisconsin, yeah. oh. where the CrossFit Games are. Oh. Yes. Um, and uh, he, I listened to a podcast, and he mentioned that he would like to go back to the StubHub Center in Carson, and that Greg hated the StubHub Center. So sounds like that's the reason they left. And now that Castro has free reign, I wouldn't be surprised if they go back there. He also said... He could see it going international within ten years, so that that's something as well as that games be overseas. Mm. Take that, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a shirt that says. Oh, that uh, and uh, Greg is uh, currently uh, writing a book right now. I think that no one will read. It's oh, people will read it. <laughs> yeah. All right, get us in there, Chase. The box. box. Whoa. Let it go. Wow. I like the box. (laughs) The box. Oh, why not? All right, boys, men, gentlemen, males. Mm, Boys Um, to men. 
Great band. R.I.P. Two, two. Uh, I got a fun one. I I think it could be controversial. I think it could be spicy, uh, and I think both of you could be wrong. Uh, so let's see if it happens. Uh, we're going with. I'm I'm still really worried that we've done this before, but I couldn't. I do not recall it. I can't research it as fast as I can find Hunter's predictions. You know. Mm. So anyway, we're doing top three board games of all time. All right, that's been invented so far. We're not here to say that these are the end-all, be-alls because we've got a lot of years left in existence. Maybe. Maybe. Do they still have to be in circulation? Oh, I I don't know. No. Two questions. If you can own it. So they can be retired. And does the thing at Cracker Barrel count? Yeah. Can you beat it? I think it has to, right? (laughs) Can you beat it? I mean, after I looked it up, yes. (laughs) But not just sitting there eating breakfast. We looked it up together that one time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm an imbecile every time. I I beat it without looking it up. (laughs) You're that guy. (laughs) (laughs) I can teach you one day. You can't triple step a double step. I'll teach you how to do it one day. All right, so top three board games. I kind of miss Caleb. Who's... Never Chase, I noticed when Kale was here, you were a lot more interactive on the Things show. We thought oh, we'd never say. Can't carry the conversation. I got <laughs> a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. Top Chase, three board Caleb games. Caleb needed of all a spotter. Time. Is what we're trying to uh, say. So the way the rule, the way the rules work is when we got three, we go in reverse order, okay. one at a time, okay. roundabout all style. Right. Okay. I'll go. go first. All right. All right. Uh, number three. It probably the oh, I was about to say the most classic on this list, but it's definitely not. Uh, but it's quite a classic, and that's the age-old Scrabble, all right? And these mm. are real rules. You can't be like my freaking family where you have a <laughs> dictionary at the at the thing. Yep. No, no, they don't, even, no they don't even have the dictionary. They just assume the words are correct because mm. you came up with it. Yeah. That, what? It's anyway. blue-collar Scrabble, baby. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Scrabble. Great game. Great uh, pieces. Great, I don't know. That's all I got. You know would, how to play the game. I would have to separate myself out, and then I, I definitely would give Scrabble respect. Okay, I just yeah, but I'm I, not that great at it. Yeah, it's you can like validate your decent ability in the spelling bee when you were you know 12. You know, it, it carries <laughs> some weight right. later on in life. Right, just know some words. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna come out. This is gonna be. You're going to think, how how has Ben going to top this? But I will say, because, because of the tradition, the multi-generational, the approachability, Mm-mm. I'm going with Monopoly. Oh. No. Yeah, I'm going with Monopoly. Monopoly's my number three, too. Because, I mean, how do you not have a top three list put, put Monopoly on there? Nobody loves it so much it would be number one. But it everybody split, has played what, it. It splits families. <laughs> like, it doesn't, it can't be healthy. <laughs> Every board, every board so did game our nation, but we didn't throw that out. Come That's on. True, yeah. Every board game splits families. Yeah, I mean. exactly. I just think nah, it's one of those things where now what I don't go along with is all like the newer versions where it's like the new companies and building the skyscraper. Just give me the classic, okay? Yeah. That's where it started. That's where it needs to stay, all that stuff. So I, I just think the approachability makes it a great, it feels like the gateway board game. There's enough strategy and luck com- combined. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, my only gripe with it is sometimes the games can last forever. Yeah, it does draw on. Yeah, it's ha- like you know who's going to win, but you still got to play out another two hours. It's got to be a holiday kind of game, yeah. I think. You know, like the mm. people are already together. You got to keep your eye on people too. They'll steal that money. Out of the I want like bank. the I want like the 18th century England English Empire version of Monopoly, where like if you have enough debt, we can just send you to jail. 
Like it's just how we deal with you. Oh, you're you're off the game completely. Yeah, you're, you're on done. an island you're somewhere. Done. Don't worry, your your picture will be on a bottle of wine one day. No big deal. <laughs> um, all right, so this takes us to your number two. Yeah. No, oh, it's me in it. Yeah, because yeah, right. I say Monopoly three. You're right. All right. All right. My number two. If uh, I have a little bit of recency bias with my number one, otherwise this one would have been my clear number one. But it still deserves number two, a tight number two, and it's the perfect tabletop game. All right, Risk. Oh, you got a good amount of strategy, and you have a good amount of RNG, uh, randomly generated, you know, stuff. You got dice involved as your attacks. It's great. And tell me a more satisfying thing than having a comeback victory within risk. You pull you like you get those three matching cards and you get like sixty men added to your empire and you put them all in Canada and then you just go to town on the Americas and <laughs> you really know this game. Yeah, you just put walls up. I mean it's 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 fantastic. There's a lot of there's even physical strategy to it because of how you place your guys. Taking uh, taking countries in a intelligent order, and deciding how many men to put up against their men. I mean, it's just it's just got it across the board. A lot of I strategy. Yeah, I, I love risk. I don't know, I don't know how you beat it, except I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll say about this. We have to give feedback on these. I've tried risk twice, and and I mean really tried. You know, like hey, teach me how to play with this fun game. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. A person who wasn't a jerk about the knowledge they have about the game and all that. Yeah. And I, th- I think the the random complexity of it just intimidates me a bit. And I, I can't get into it because mm. it feels like, oh, my, there's no way I could ever really be good at this. Hey, there's a shallow end of the pool for the reason, <laughs> That's <Ben>. right. So <laughs> that's why somebody's got to play connect for Yeah, somebody puts down risk, and I just put snakes and ladders right on top of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this does uh, – I want to ask you this question, though. Catan is like the other risk, I've never right? played Catan, so I can't yeah. have I like S- Sellers. Catan's pretty fun, but risk is still better in my opinion. Really? I've yeah. never heard it pronounced Catan, by the way. There, I've always heard Catan. Yeah, there's been uh, fights that break out over this, actually. Over the pronounce- pronunciation? <laughs> no, which one is better? <laughs> which, which one is better? So. Just out of curiosity, you guys have any card games that kind of ma- – there has to be a, a board involved? I think you or- and I both like spades, right? I yep. love spades. Yeah. We used to play spades on the bus in college for baseball all the time. Yeah, and we, that's, we'd have our partners for the whole for the for the whole year. And, mm, yeah. That's an easy easy one. It, I mean, I think a card game is not really a board game. Oh yeah, I, I'll, yeah. I but they they come out. I would have been same mad time. at you if you'd put. Yeah, it. honorable mention. I would put Pit in there. It's a little known game that I love to play because people get so violently angry with each other. Yeah. Over this game and ringing the bell, you should you should look that up if you haven't. Fantastic game. It shows. Mm. The level humans will go to, and it's a good sample size of the stock market. Yes, exactly. It's just yeah. pure unhealth. It, it, yeah, your competitive nature Im- immediately emerges. So um, I would also say, like, life gets a lot of, of uh, press here. It's not very good. It's not a very I'd good game. I'd rather play Candyland. Yeah, yeah, life is not a very, very good game. Yeah. Yeah, so, all right, I'm going to pick this one. It, it appears. Not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not. Overrated. Uh, life over, life's overrated. Uh, this is on a couple lists. I've been doing my research here. Um, this is Total Nostalgia, which you know I've got to bring that in. I freaking loved Battleship as a kid. Oh, yeah. I almost Battleship. Battleship. Yeah, right and, and I've also played it with my kids, mm-hmm. and they were just as excited to play as I was. You talk about approachability with uh, with Monopoly. This is an approachable game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Battleship is like strategy, 
Mm. RNG. Yeah. All that stuff. Honesty. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You need a third party. <laughs> Definitely. Because I was the kid that was like, nope, miss. And then I just moved the ship. <laughs> so, yeah, Battleship. I got to put it on my and list. And now he's a preacher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some things never change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just move this verse a little bit. Just a little over here. Yeah. Good. All right, Hunter, what you got? Number two. Number two uh, for me is Clue. Mm, I've I'll, never played a full game. Of you've Clue never played before. Clue? It ranks highly on I this like list. I like Clue yeah. with the... Uh, uh, investigativeness of figuring out who the murderer is, and uh, you big mafia guy. You ever played mafia? Sure. No, oh, played mafia. Yeah, not as much of putting a hold around here as I would like, but <laughs> yeah, I like the mafia. I'm pro mafia. <laughs> Just in case I will you're publicly listening. say that. I'm pro- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Also, not considered a board game, but also a good game. Maybe we should do a segment one one episode of like best games. What is mafia? Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. It'd like be easy game. to explain it off, Mike. Yeah. it would take a while to explain. Yeah, it's a it's a group game, but there's no. Board involved uh so. but i like clue and um have you guys ever seen the the movie clue oh my god from the, from the 70s totally you haven't seen hilarious. it no, yeah. oh chase you have, you have to watch what? it i haven't even played a full game of it you, watch the movie the movie is absolutely hilarious you know it? what you should watch have you watched knives out yeah yeah great who's yeah. doing it seems similar Very yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, when like the girl it. shows up with a singing telegram <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable it's really funny there's a lot of really funny actors in it but they ha- and they have and there's three endings at the end and if you apparently if you watched it in theaters you didn't know which ending you were going to get yeah so uh oh that's fun yeah pretty it's pretty cool yeah uh but clue i mean it's man, I, i've played a lot of clue on my it's day. a classic yeah it's oh, yeah. very yes. very it's good a classic, classic game yeah. um so that would be my number two all right it's a shame I'm going first because you're not going to be what I'm about to say. Uh, the greatest, speaking of just games of all time, the mm-hmm. greatest game of all time, maybe the oldest game of all time, 1,500 years strong, the age-old chess. Mm. You guys haven't given chess a real shot. Don't give it a shot just because of the Queen's Gambit and quarantine and all that <laughs> dark stuff we went through a year ago. All right? <laughs> yep. Great game. You got strategy, you got theory, you can bully people that are lesser than you, you know, if you smack up on them. It's not like checkers where it's too straightforward. You can get really heady with it. You can feel smart when you win in this game, you know. Not all games have that, you know. Connect four, a lot of times it's just down to who went first, right? Albeit chess is also like that, none of that think about it. <laughs> Poor analogy. The more you explain it, <laughs> the more similar they will become. <laughs> yeah. Uh Give chess a shot. I think it's it's not a perfect game, but it's really really good. And chess. you can it's easy to play. It's on your phone whenever yeah. you need mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it's great. Chess. Uh, there's there's so many levels to chess, and like you can spend a lifetime trying to mm-hmm. trying to master it. I uh, I used to play a lot of chess back in the day. I was actually in the chess club in high school. Chase, we didn't have. Hey, one there you go. I uh, I got in. We had like these chess boards that uh, at our art class, and so instead of doing art, we would just play chess, and then. My claim to fame in the chess club. I was in it one year. They <laughs> Broke had, my collarbone. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Never the same. <laughs> Who knew how violent a sport it could be? <laughs> so uh, in, in the, uh, we had like a chess club tournament. And in the tournament, it was speed chess, so you had the, the clock thing. Mm-hmm. And I used to get beat by There were some guys that were really good. And, but when you put the clock on them, they would kind of like panic and freak out. And I was just like... I'll, I, it was just like any other game, so I was actually better at speed chess, I guess. 
Well, I got all the way to the finals against like what the chess club teachers, like prize student, like, you know, like the top, <laughs> top guy and a king, king of the nerds. And <laughs> good for him. <laughs> now he owns Tesla. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. <laughs> and uh, so we were going, and I could tell, like, it was my English teacher, too. I could tell he wanted the other dude to win so bad. Like, I could just tell he was, like, oh, so into it. And we got to where it was, like, we just had kings and pawns left, and we were just racing to see who could get pawns turned into queens at the end, and then I ended up running out of time, and the other guy won. Oh, uh, but, that's the ending to that yeah, story? Yeah. Hey, I just made it to the final. You know, I, I almost went the distance like Rocky, you know. That was, <laughs> I appreciate like, it, was it tr- more that you didn't win. A, t- a true yes. underdog story. Still <laughs> exists in the real world, but you really stuck it to the English mm-hmm. teacher. I would love to get back into chess, though. Uh, it's really fun. It, man, it's You don't realize it until you get into it, like, how hard it is and how, how much you can ahead these people. Easily, oh, yeah, yeah, and how, much, how far ahead these guys think and how smart they are, so how much strategy. It's a better example of the game of life than the game of life. Mm, teaches you lessons well all the time. Do you still have your second place trophy? No, I didn't get a trophy. Oh, man, that would be awesome. Yeah. That, that should Private be on display. Schools. We would hot glue that to the wall in Madison. That would be awesome. Yeah. So, hot glue to the <laughs> yeah. wall. So, all right, so uh, num- your turn. number one. I'm yeah. done number one, right? Yeah. Now right. i got to pretend like I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do that. Okay. What you don't know is what came close to being the number one answer. Honorable mention, I'm going to pull a hunter here. Chinese checkers. Uh, Unbelievable game. Have you ever played this game? No, not fully. I don't even understand it. See, see, it's uh, this is an incredible game of strategy where you can have multiple players around the board. It's awesome. Mm. It it should make a comeback. Do you have to have a full set of players to play, or can you play? You can play with two, two to six, and we're in between. It's a very different game depending on how many players are around the board. Obviously, so I don't know. I can't spend a lot of time with that. Ticket to Ride is the number number one board game. Especially considering it's not really that old, unbelievable board game. Mm. I used to play Chinese checkers too when I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. I played a lot of board games apparently. Yeah, forget yeah. about Ticket to Ride. Go more about <laughs> no Chinese Ticket checkers. to Ride. Now, of my family, uh, two of us we have four. Two of us love Ticket to Ride. You two and us, Owen? Uh, no, Owen hates it. Oh. Uh, Shepard loves it. Cammy hates it. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, Shepard and I love it. Um, it is a really, really well thought out game. It's worth learning. It's not very hard to learn. What's your win rate in the family games? Pretty large. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm pretty ruthless. No, yeah, and I only pull out games that I know how to. Yeah, play. Yeah, I was about to say he only plays <laughs> games that he knows yeah. he can win. We don't play checkers in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Shepard brings checkers to uh, brings chess to the table. I'm like, no, 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 get ticket to ride <laughs> horses. So yeah, I just think ticket to ride is a game that a lot of people don't know about. Obviously, it's wildly popular, but a I had lot of, never heard of it until you introduced. Yeah, a lot of people don't know about it. But man, it is wildly entertaining. It it does take roughly an hour to play around, uh, but the whole time you're trying to figure it's gripping. out how's this yeah. going to work out. Yeah, so I'm, it's uh, tension in the right kind of way. So yeah, yeah, I, do have, I have a do you have a lose weight rate of a hundred percent. The, yeah, it takes uh, a while to to learn the game. So, man, we should uh, we should do these things more. Yeah. Yeah. Podcasts or ticket games oh, segments. Oh, yeah. I don't know game segments. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I didn't even think about chess. I probably would have made chess my number one if I had thought about it. That's all right. But uh, my number one is risk as well. I love Great risk. Man. Risk, just the perfect combination of mm. strategy and and luck yeah. and and it's just it's it's a blast. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to play risk on like the other maps, but just the classic world map is the best in my opinion. Like I did a Lord of the Rings oh, risk yeah. before. It just yeah. feels the best. Yeah, yeah. 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 Europe like. If you have Europe and uh, Africa locked down, 
you can do so much. Yeah, but those are hard to hard to uh, protect. To control. Yeah. The second I like time to, I tried to learn it was on the Lord of the Rings map. I like to to focus on like South America. Oh no, my favorite place to start is Australia. Yeah, Australia, but you're kind of over there in the corner, but it's hard to get out. But South America, you can attack two continents from there. And it's just small enough to where you can get control of it, but not too big where you let you the people like fight risk, over Asia. Man. And all this geek, you guys are about to look, break the podcast. Look, <laughs> just let everybody fight over Europe and Asia, just like let them, regularly yeah, in world history. And, and, and we'll build up in South America. But this time, we're not going to let the disease from the uh, Spanish flu or whatever come, come yeah, up. Yeah, so. yeah, mm, yeah. Yeah. You guys. Wear your hazmat. Are you, are you finished with your walk down memory lane or? Yeah. Ben, let's uh, let's play some uh, risk and chess, and uh, <laughs> send you send you home with your tail between your legs. I'll be the guy with the bag of Doritos. Like, okay, how do you do this? <laughs> That's my role. Recommends. Recommends. I don't have one. So. Yeah, Imagine play that. chess. Imagine, yeah, that. play chess is a good one. By the way, my recommend from a couple of episodes ago with James Taylor was taking the world by storm. People were really into I that. You were about to say it's Caleb sent me this book he was listening to about James Taylor. That's it. That was my recommend. The so, free one on Amazon? Yes, people are listening. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm going to recommend How to Play Chess by... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I actually... Um, Searching ha- for Bobby Fischer. Did you ever watch that movie? Mm-mm. Is it going? Mm-mm. Yeah, so I haven't... Um, I'm telling you guys, with the way the summer has been going and how much I've been investing in my fitness, I just haven't been consuming a lot of entertainment lately. Wow. That was, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> Hunter, you're always the guy that saves this segment with the recommend. Uh, I'm trying to decide what, what to recommend because it's been a while since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a book that was pretty interesting, pretty short read. It was called, uh, hold on, The Last. Oh, The Places You Will Go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, One Fish, it, Two it Fish. It was by this guy named Dr. Uh, uh, Seuss, I think. Seuss? Yes. I heard it was the last uh, pirate. Oh, hold on, hold on. Hey, why are you researching? Did we talk about the uh, the rise and fall? Have we recommended that on this podcast yet? Rise and fall of what? Rome? <laughs> yes, of Mars Hill. Oh no, we have not. Okay, I think this has universal appeal for for people who are like interested in the church world or not. Oh, I think if you're like a non-Christian, you it's like, even you better. get a lot of validation from this. Even better. Yeah. So I'm going to 100% fully recommend, you can get it wherever you consume your podcast, mm-hmm. The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, M-A-R-S-H-I-L-L. A yeah, silly name. Yes. For a brief background, it's a, a church that started with one guy in his living room, whatever the story is there expanded so rapidly, became like 14 campuses, and there's this huge fall of this pastor, mostly related to um, backdoor deals of buying his own book and sending it to the bestseller list. Mm. Then almost overnight, these 14 campuses close. That's not even really the big story. The big story of this podcast is what happens when a man is consumed with his own influence and power. And that is a story that worth listening to. Rise and fall of Rome. The rise and fall of Mars Hill. Uh, I'm listening to it on Spotify. They release every Tuesday. You can hop in. I think they only have like two more episodes at the time of this recording. So it'd be a good time to jump in. Nobody knows how they're going to end this thing. But wow, crazy entertaining mm-hmm. for the 40 or 50 minutes each episode lasts. Cool. I'll check it out. So I figured out my book. It's called The Last Pirate of New York, A Ghost Ship, A Killer, and the Birth of a Gangster Nation by Rich Cohen. 
Um, I've already recommended a Rich Cohen book before uh, about the uh, the banana uh, company. Um, that was a while ago, but um, this was really interesting. He started off by uh, he was really speaking of the mob, the mafia. He was really into the mafia, and he was trying to determine like who the original person of the mafia was. And so he started like seeing who they looked up to, and then go to those people and see who they looked up to who was like kind of their idol and he got to this guy who was in like the 1860s in new york and um he killed uh he he got on a ship and he killed all the uh he was working on a ship and he killed everybody on the ship and threw them overboard and and stole all their money and he ended up getting caught and then while he's waiting to be sentenced he like confesses to this whole life of crime that he's lived where he's like gone all over the world and killed all these people and it was pretty, pretty fascinating. Whoa. Yeah. Like, like killed like hundreds of people. And like the story is just so unbelievable, but it's like so unbelievable that it's nobody could even make it up. And he's naming all these places that he lived and everything um, that you wouldn't know if he, if he hadn't been there. So um, it was a, a short, easy read, but if you're into that kind of stuff, like true crime and um, the mob and, and pirates and that type of stuff, I'd highly recommend this book. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like there's something in there for everyone. There right? is, yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for true crime, not pop pirates. You know, Vi- I'm sure Vikings are in there somewhere. Read, read, to, read it to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's a wrap. Oh, I didn't know you were in charge. Silky smooth sounds.